Blog Talk Radio. Tuesday, April 2nd, 2013. My name is Michael Gordon. You're listening to The Mind Whisperer on Blog Talk Radio. On today's program, we're talking about delayed gratification. Very interesting subject, and uh, there's some recent research that uh, draws on this topic that uh, also supports a lot of previous research literature about the idea of delayed gratification. We'll get right to that topic very shortly, and uh, before we uh, get to that, just a few little housekeeping things here at... uh, the Mind Whisperer. Welcome to the program. If you've never been on the program before or listened in, uh, we have a chat room on blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Mind Whisperer. This program is a um, open format show, call-in show, uh, and we cover areas of what I call spiritual psychology for daily life. So at any point during the program today, if you are listening in live, um, you can call in and, and uh, introduce a topic that you would like to discuss or any questions that you may have or issues you want to raise. Uh, so we're not necessarily tied down by the topic at, at hand. However, today's topic is very uh, intriguing and uh, so we really want to jump into that uh, fairly soon here on the program. Um, and just one other thing, if you are listening in to the archive program, we appreciate your support, and please do follow us on Twitter and our Facebook page uh, and help us grow the program, which has now exceeded 3,000 listens, so that's very exciting. Well, as I said, uh, today's topic is uh, anticipation and delayed gratification. So what exactly does that mean? What do we mean by delayed gratification? It's really important to understand what the approach is of this um, term and and how we can relate to it. So, just a, again, a little bit about brain physiology. And you have to excuse me again, I'm, I'm a little bit congested here because of uh, allergies, spring allergies. Um, the neocortex, the prefrontal cortex of our brains, this is the highest evolved part of our brain. And if you look at the brain as a evolutionary um, anatomical map over time, how uh, higher primates have evolved into human beings. Uh, So we have this forebrain that is very complex and that allows us this higher consciousness and the capacity for um, reason and self-reflection and and self-awareness. And this is the part of our brain that also uh, regulates what's called inhibition. Uh, And that sort of filters down our, our... thought processes and, and allows us to focus and have attention. But it's also the part of our brain that helps us regulate impulse control. The impulse control is just that you don't necessarily obey every command in your head, which is coming from your regulatory uh, uh, centers in your brain around pleasure, around survival, um, you know, 
autonomic nervous system responses around thirst and hunger and threat, etc. So the inhibitory and the impulse control are very important for us, you know, so we just don't go around uh, indulging our fantasies or our um, cravings and urges. And sometimes those urges are to run away, sometimes those urges are to overeat, etc., etc. But when it comes to motivation and goal setting, uh, this is very important because there is this interactivity between the balance of stimulation from the mid part of our brain, which is you know the fight or flight center, the limbic region, the emotional uh, regions of our brain, like the um, the amygdala, uh, which are the you know the um, emotional check-in center of the brain, and um, depending on how calm our current situation is or how we are habituated to um, stress, etc. But if, if you know, if we are essentially a fairly well-adjusted person who's not highly aroused all the time and anxious, then we can regulate our st- stimulus from the world um, with you know with rational responses, controlled responses. Now, some very it's very interesting how this ties into desire. So, let's just say on the level of physical attraction with another person, and say you're a, a single person and you're dating, and you are attracted to somebody. Maybe you've met them online, maybe you've met them through friends, or you just come across them in the course of your day, and there's uh, some initial attraction. And attraction is very individual. We are subjective animals, right? So uh, whatever you find attractive in the person um, sets off a whole host of um, biohormones in your body that signal your system you're excited. And you can associate all kinds of aspects of that excitement that have particular meaning to you. The person looks a certain way, they said a certain thing, they remind you of somebody, etc., etc. The smell of them, all the sensory input and the associations that you have about what you find attractive and what's meaningful to you. And, of course, you know, if you are a well-adjusted, again, sort of civilized person, um, I don't mean civilized in a pejorative sense, like in terms of society, I mean somebody who conducts themselves with self-control and um, knows how to, um, you know, appropriate appropriate social behavior, let's call it that way. Um, you don't just go up and suddenly throw yourself on that person and certainly not to uh, do anything untoward physically towards them and, and take advantage and, and, and impose what may be something for you on that other person. So, you know, there are all these sort of codes and conducts around flirting and what's appropriate, et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's just say that um, the feeling is mutual and you, you are attracted to this other person, they're attracted to you, maybe you exchange phone numbers, you go for coffee dates, etc. So now you have all these signals and you have this real-world sort of consensual reality with this other person that things are progressing and, and you've entered into this sort of unspoken arrangement. And while there's no commitment in place, you are you know, moving along and getting to know each other and you're building on this energy between the two of you. Well, now you're entering into the area of a potential relationship. And uh, without getting too much into the dynamics of relationships and the do's and don'ts, from this vantage point, what we're looking at is the ability to uh, 
do that dance of intimacy and get to know the other person while at the same time holding off on that impulse to just act on your attraction, to act on your internal cues that this is someone you really like because chemistry does not a relationship make. And while you may be attracted to the person, that doesn't necessarily um, forebode a uh, sustainable, healthy, compatible long-term relationship, if that's, say, what you know, we presume you were seeking with, this, with a partner, with another person. And so you want to just engage in the playfulness and the, the interplay and the you know, eroticism of your connection with this person, the flirtation, and the getting to know each other. But there are two forces at work here, one which is sort of impulse-driven and, and a desire. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe uh, you know, you've been without somebody for a while, and so you have those physical sexual urges and impulses. But you don't want to confuse that with a strategy to pick somebody, somebody who's going to be a good fit for you emotionally, psychologically, um, in terms of your lifestyle and your value system. So it's a very tricky thing to be able to manage that. And you do need to have, uh, again, consensual dialogue with the other person and make sure you're on the right page about all these things. But as you get to know them, it's hard not to give in to the excitement. And this is what we talk about of delayed gratification. Uh, in 1997, I believe, it might, my, my timing might be completely off. It might be early um, maybe it was later than that. Maybe it was early 2000s. I'll have to look this up. Um, in fact, I'll Google it right now. But um, um, an author by the name of Daniel Goleman wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence. And uh, let me just look this up really quick here so I don't misquote Daniel's book. Um, and, the, and in the book, um, Daniel identifies and draws on research that, um, okay, pardon me here, I'm just going to look up this book to make sure I've got the date right. And 1995, I was very close. Um, so Daniel's talking about um, existing research literature that's, that shows that, uh, for example, with Adolescents who learn delayed gratification in very simple ways, and they and and they practice that trait and see the reward, inherent reward of holding off on their impulses, that they perform better, and in fact they retract later in life, and were shown to be much more successful later on because they operated from this trait. I'm just going to close the windows of my studio here. The worst timing with my radio show. Garbage trucks coming by. Pardon me that for the little bit of reality intruding here. Uh, so these um, adolescents were uh, given uh, the task of doing a math problem, and they were told that um, they would be given a reward. And it was very simple. It was like a bowl of potato chips, I believe, is what it was, if they performed the simple um, math equation or math test. Or they were told that they could have the, um, they didn't have to do the test, um, but they could, could have the chips right away, but then there wasn't a further reward that they wouldn't get if they didn't proceed along the path set out, you know, um, through, the, through the experiment. So essentially the ones that were able to modulate their expectations and their reward circuit in their brain and, and they sort of delay the outcome of the, of the win of the, potato chips or whatever it was, um, 
as the, the experiment unfolded and as it went forward in time and it was tracked over time, these teenagers later graduated from high school and you know, were shown to have better success in their lives and in their careers because they knew how to work for things. They knew how to, um, again, sort of modulate their expectations and um, stretch them out over time and work towards an end goal. And that end goal is everything. Being able to keep that end goal in sight, keep yourself motivated along the way, and not just uh, set yourself up for disappointment and failure at the beginning because you expect that things should come very quickly and very easily. And if they don't, that um, that you failed or that it, you know you don't deserve it or that you've been, even worse, you've been cheated out of something. So this brings up an interesting point. Um, it's certainly very, very valid in terms of how we operate individually, but especially when it comes to interpersonal relationships, because we can, there can be a very, very delicate balance between recognizing the, the, the benefit of delaying gratification, holding off, building up anticipation for something, being connected to that anticipation. Maybe it's even you know working your summer job and buying a car at the end of summer, and and you feel a sense of pride when you get the car because you you know, you worked for it and um, you didn't just put it on a credit card or go into debt, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but th there's a delicate balance between that kind of uh, modus operandi and confusing that in a, in a negative way with self-denial. So let me explain that. So if we associate on a more primitive level, let's say, that by not buying something right away or not buying into something right away like a relationship that you are somehow denying yourself a pleasure then you then you know we can very easily set ourselves up for this antagonistic relationship to that thing and so this goes back to what's called object relations theory in in, in psychology and we learn to relate to other beings you know in our early development as objects of 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 affection or objects of our caretaking and we are the object of um, of other people's love and care, or we are the negative object of their of their uh, disinterest in us, and so we can very easily objectify in that way another person, commodify uh, that that uh, desire to be in relationship with somebody else, and it can get very very confusing. And so, in a very basic way, what initially set you up with excitement and a desire to jump into bed with the person or at least to get to know them and see and talk to them all the time can very easily turn to a projection of your own um, confusion about um, that means, you know, if we're, not, if we're not jumping into something right away that I am depriving myself of something or I'm being denied of something and then you can project that onto the other person as a kind of contemptuous feeling. So what initially started with this gay attraction all of a sudden can turn very ugly because this person is now denying you something. And this goes back to quite often to the kind of infantile rage of uh, our early childhood where we're operating from very, very, very primal emotions and uh, and our sense of being taken care of, getting things, uh, the immediacy of things that are handed to us very early in, in our development, um, which we need at that primitive stage just to, to feel secure and know that we are uh, okay in the world because we're so dependent. But we do have to evolve out of that developmental stage and become self-sufficient and self-regulating.
And so we can see how this delayed gratification is very, very important. And that's why the studies show that, um, indeed, it has a greater impact on uh, our, our life process, our life cycle, our choices, our life skills, and our ability to um, make make healthier choices and work towards end goals that serve our our uh, our value system in a healthy way as opposed to this immediate way now in terms of impulse control you know that also is something that's there with um for example dieting or anything again that can turn into self denial so this is why dieting consistently is shown not to work and actually have a negative impact because Deny, uh, dieting is based on denying your body and your and your hunger or your whatever motivation you have, if it's cravings, um, towards you know supposedly a healthier food choices or portion choices and portion control, which you know it's all good sense. You know you're regulating cal- your calorie intake and calories in, calories out. You just do the math. But the problem is is that it is also operating at this deeper psychological and physiological level of um, stopping yourself from doing something. And it really does set us up to feel like we are being deprived or we are depriving ourselves of something. And things go a little wonky and all of a sudden you find yourself saying, well, I don't want to deprive myself of something. So you have this rebound effect. And so maybe there's an emotional upheaval or there's some kind of internal you know, negative trigger and that all of it suddenly turns sideways and it turns into indulgence. So now what was a diet to take care of yourself becomes a thing that you rebel against and you be, you sort of start indulging in all the things that made you want to diet in the first place, your sugar cravings, food cravings, whatever it is. So this is a very, very important topic and it, 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 it ties into some very, very complex areas of um, learning theory and motivation and reward that we tend to do better by... Um, working towards things that um, are more positive for us than trying to stop ourselves from things that are negative. So maybe that's a good place to pause for today. Um, You can think about this, again, in terms of holding off on things. You know, in, in, in in the erotic context of attraction and love, um, you know, it's, it's a place where we can work on ourselves and say, Maybe I'm operating from that sense of scarcity, and maybe that's something in my background that I don't believe that if something's good, it's it's possible it can be um, enjoyed in slowly, savored, stretched out over time. Maybe there's something that's anxious in me in my thinking or in my makeup or in my background, certainly, that um, is signaling my system on every level that uh, there's scarcity, that there's not enough, that there's lack. And therefore, I need to race through this to get this because it's going to disappear in front of me. Now, I'm not talking about really fundamental, um, you know, uh, reality-based transactional things like someone's offering you a deal on a car and the deal is going to go away or that's obvious that those are, you're taking advantage of things situationally. Generally speaking, a relationship to process and reward is very much... Uh, affected by our ability to delay gratification and hold off, and 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 this is you know something that again, in sort of looking at a more day-to-day level, this is what was uh, became known as the slow food movement, which started in, in you know with the European sort of lifestyle and has spread to North America, of you know cooking whole food from scratch and taking time and and sharing meals and breaking bread with people. 
and um, getting away from this fast, you know, industrial revolution mechanized world of um, eating around our work schedules and actually slowing down and making a meal a central place of connection and savoring, uh, you know, food and nourishment and, and the making of food, etc. And so, um, we don't rush through, you know, a giant meal and then get to dessert and have a, you know, a lot of indigestion. You slowly digest your meal and you savor it over time and you save dessert for the very end. So this is kind of a way of looking at life is um, looking at it as a banquet uh, that you can slowly uh, enjoy and, and that unfolds in front of you, course by course, uh, in smaller portions that you can savor, enjoy, and taste and really um, share and enjoy with other people as opposed to gorging yourself. And we all know, the again, the, the aftermath of indulging and giving into that impulse to... Um, jump into something or to have to have something right away. And it's actually the anticipation which is exciting. It's the build-up that is exciting. And when we give ourselves something too quickly, oftentimes we end up with not only emotional or, you know, uh, gastric upset, but also emotional and psychological upset. Well, we're going we're gonna to end the program there today on that note. And... Uh, See if you of you are logged into the to the show today and appreciate your listening in live. And of course the show is archived. You can always go back and listen to any of the programs on the uh listed on the page, uh the host page here on Blog Talk Radio. And we appreciate your emails and your feedback and your show suggestions anytime. Uh you can also ask a question in the chat window anytime during the program. My name is Michael Gordon. It's been my pleasure to host you today. Drop us a line sometime. Otherwise, we'll see you on Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Tuesdays and Thursdays when the program airs. And it's been my pleasure to host you. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again real soon.